Welcome to the Exact Minute, I'm your host Darren, and today uh, we are going to be talking about minute number 38, which goes from 37 to 37.59, if you are watching along at home, and I hope that you definitely are, uh, and we are starting to get into the motivation for Harlan and uh, why what happened in the first five minutes of the film happened. Um, you know, there's a lot of discussion because Marta said she's going to give an emergency shot of Naxalone so you don't die in 10 minutes. And this is where Harlan is extremely calm. And he says, uh, you know, that's an interesting, efficient method for murder. I need to write that down. And so he, he kind of picks his notebook up from off the desk, uh, next to the, uh, uh, well, from a desk, should I say, uh, next to the, the knife, he puts it down and he starts writing in that notebook. While, of course, Marta is getting extremely kind of panicked and she's gone into her like a med- medical bag and she's kind of checking stuff. Um, and, you know, she she needs to kind of find the antidote. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the kind of she describes what's going to happen in terms of the symptoms. Um, and then, you know, Harlan is, is kind of saying, you know, uh, uh, you know, that uh, kind of basically um, that, you know, it, 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 you know, it should it should be, you know, where is it? Um, you know, he calls it the Naxo stuff, and she says, "Yes, the Naxo only comes with the emergency kit. It should be here." And that is where we uh, we get cut off uh, before um, before she swears, uh, which we'll cover tomorrow. <laughs> um, joining me to talk about this episode today, though, is Joe Dorowski. Hello, Joe. Hello. Glad to be back, hanging out uh, in the study of uh, Harlan here. <laughs> Yes, and I think I think what's interesting in the kind of the, you know each of the minutes that we've covered so far, uh, I would say the mood has changed mm-hmm. um, uh, from minute to minute. So the first the first minute was kind of a bit more reflective, kind of Harlan yeah. kind of talking about his family, yeah, reflecting, saying he wants to go out with a flourish, you know, kind of uh, talking with flowery language. Like I said, probably you know he has a few uh, whiskies or whatever, and he probably does this you know more than once. Um, talking about closing the book with a flourish and all that kind of, like it, it feels like you know as a writer that's the kind of stuff that he's always kind of kind of rambling on about um, and then we get to the point you know last minute where Marta has given him the the you know the first minute there was a lot of business with her kind of setting up the the injection and then she gave him the injection and realized what happened yesterday and now while he has gotten more calm it seems um, like he said earlier he's not afraid to die uh, she has got more panicked because obviously now she's feeling that she is responsible for the death of Harlan Thromby. Yeah. And, um, and it's interesting yeah. while he's calm, I think part of his calmness right now is still, he trusts Marta. Like he is not worried yet yeah. that he's about to die. Uh, and he's going to remain calm when he realizes, Oh, the stuff that she's supposed to give him isn't in the bag, but it, it becomes a very different focus at that moment, even though he's still calm. Uh, you, you see the, like, the change in what his mindset is uh, immediately. But at this point, I think part of his calmness is still, well, I, like she's worried, but I know she's a good nurse. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not yet worried myself. And I think that, yeah, like he, he's, he's kind of asking her about what's going to happen. And, you know, she, t- like he talks about, you know, she talks about how, 
you know, be sweats, disorientation, you know, like, uh, there'll be like, she says within 10 minutes, you're respiratory. And then she kind of like, she, she kind of breaks off while she's kind of looking for stuff. And, you know, he's talking about, oh, so the time of the injection was like eight ish. And, you know, and the victim, if they called an ambulance, you know, when they felt the symptoms, you know, in a big country home like this, he's kind of basically describing, uh, you know, what we as viewers know effectively will become his death. You know, it's like, you know, the ambulance takes 15 minutes to arrive. It's too late. And if you don't have the, you know, the Naxo stuff and it's that it's when he says like up until that point, he is very kind of like calm. And then he notices what she's doing and he says, Marta, do you have the Naxo stuff? And the kind of that's when the kind of mood changes just a mm -hmm. little bit um, where, you know, he obviously he, he feels that she's extremely qualified and, you know, will be able to sort this out. But at that moment, it seems like he's kind of realizing something. Um, and obviously, the mood will change again in the next minute. Like, these five minutes, it, it feels like each one is completely different to the previous one. Um, and so, you know, she, we see her kind of frantically going through the bag and looking underneath the couch and, you know, just kind of going all over the place. And uh, in the script, it says, a bead of sweat rolls down Harlan's brow. So obviously you know as viewers we kind of we kind of we can see her panic um you know in the previous minute obviously it was just the realization but now we can see the panic and you know by the end of the minute i you know we feel like harlan is kind of on the same page as her and realizes that something is going wrong um you know and we'll see we'll see more of like kind of the way that he thinks in the next minute but um yeah this is a you know like i said the mood completely changes like minute to minute this is you know this is you know the camera is actually you know, more still on Harlan, you know, like when it's, but it keeps cutting back to him and he's, it's basically staying in the same place mm -hmm. for Harlan. But for Marta, it's almost handheld in that it's kind of following her around. Getting a little jittery. And it's a bit more frantic. Yeah. So it's, it's, I like that as well. The kind of contrast between, you know, the completely still focused camera on him and the kind of the movement on her. Um, and also there's a clever little bit where, you know, when she kind of goes under the table to kind of find, you know, take a look to see if it's like kind of gone somewhere. The knife that obviously has been put into the desk, you know, at the start of the minute, it, it's it, it's it's on the opposite side, obviously, you know, just just as a viewer to give us a bit of orientation as to where Marta is within the room. Um, but it's an it's it's kind of all it's ever present basically, um, and I've, you know, I'm not going to spoil what happens next week until Friday's <laughs> episode. Um, but that night, that knife kind of sitting there on the desk, you know, having having been plunged into it in the first minute. It kind of sits there, and it's just a marker that's on the screen for the entire time while this is yeah, happening. Yeah, it's Chekhov's dagger um, right at this point. <laughs> yes, yeah. Except obviously, we're not going to be waiting an hour <laughs> yeah. for it to be used. Uh, it's going to be used within the next five to six minutes. Uh, but yeah, yeah. But you feel the pressure building with it. Yeah, and and the the fact that it's it's con it's constantly on screen. You know, from his side, it's more of a kind of playful prop that he's put in the desk. But from Marta's side, it feels like something that is kind of. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to get too kind of uh, dramatic and say like sword of Damocles, but it, it, that's what it feels like. It feels like it's it's on that desk and it's kind of it's next to her and it's basically kind of hanging over her. Like you know, he, she you know she's now realizing that if she doesn't get the the next alone, she's basically killed him. And and that that realization is kind of is visually kind of represented just by this knife kind of hanging over her for the entire kind of you know few minutes while we're we're looking for the the stuff and i i want to say one of my favorite moments is in this this minute where um he asks uh he he's asked about um you know the dosage and how long he has 
uh and you know she says well if i don't give you the not uh not like so you're gonna die in 10 minutes and then he says well no pressure and then he you just see like the writer switch flip and he goes you know that's an interesting and efficient method for murder i need to write that down <laughs> and, and just like you the the way you see his uh, the character as a writer like the gears start turning immediately uh on this and uh christopher Plummer is able to just convey that with these little subtle movements in his face as he's thinking and then the way the way he grabs his notebook and starts jotting it down it just feels so natural for that to be his reaction yeah and i mean he he literally says so if someone switched the meds on purpose i'd be dead in 10 minutes like stone cold dead so Again, uh, I don't want to get too much into spoilers, but that line is very, you know, there's a few lines this week that are kind of very much on the nose. Um, and that that is obviously one worth remembering, like, you know, um, and I just, I, you know, it's again, it's kind of very subtle. I guess if you're watching it a second time, it's less subtle, um, but it's very kind of little these little lines that kind of put down throughout the throughout this scene um, that kind of they not they show us kind of who Harlan is. Uh, but also yeah. the way he thinks and all, and and also in contrast you know Marta who is you know she's trying to do as much as she possibly could to kind of fix this and yeah. you know whereas uh, I, I think as a viewer you uh, you know if you're watching like a murder mystery thing you might think well if she's an unreliable narrator she might tell someone this is what I did but in reality you know if she killed him she wouldn't she wouldn't have put this effort into trying to save him which she'd have just watched him yeah. die um, and so I, th- I think it's it's kind of interesting that y- that that again lends this more credibility to being the real events, um, because y- I think it's really interesting what you're saying about like how much we as an audience have come to trust her, um, yeah. because this scene is going to take on a different flavor at different points in the film uh, and our realization of what this all actually means, even though like the, the, the facts of what are happening is all real. Um, Ryan Johnson, we know from last Jedi and from the opening monologues of this film, he loves the Rashomon effect. And you know, the, the story of the Rashomon story where, where you see different points of view that the unreliable narrators are going to be tweaking uh, you know, w- what is happening. Uh, and you know, his two most famous films use that narrative element uh, to their strength. This is an example of him using the exact same events unchanged, but because of the information the audience has at different points in the film, we're going to see what's unfolding in very different ways. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I think as, as well, like, you know, the, again, like her, her kind of competence is something that, that Harlan trusts in and that's why he's so calm. And it's only when we reach the moment where, you know, towards the end when he's like, you know, do you have the Naxo stuff? Like the fact that he's still kind of calling it that, the fact that in the previous minute he referred to morphine as like the good stuff, the fact that he, you know, they have this kind of in this this language and this interaction together where he he kind of implicitly trusts her, which is obviously something that you would, you know, if if you're somebody who is like a, you know, a wealthy um you know um you know millionaire you would have to trust the people around you you know obviously there's a lot of kind of horror stories out there of people who were kind of wealthy and old uh being abused by um the people that were meant to care for them and you know so the fact that he he does trust her so much and you know he is kind of calm i think to the audience that kind of makes it clear you know the type of person she is if if by this point you know you kind of weren't clear on it um i just think the way he's reacting is uh, is a wonderful kind of enforcement of the fact that yes marta is you know she's a nurse she cares for people and also she you know aside from that she she keep deeply cares for harlan anyway regardless of whether she's being paid to care for him 
Um, so, you know, I, I find that kind of interest in, you know, that, that Christopher Plummer is kind of conveying that trust in her. Um, and also, you know, she uh, she's got a lot of business to do in terms of, you know, just as an actor. You know, she's frantically looking for stuff. She's taking stuff out of bags. She's putting stuff to one side. She's, you know, she's handling the vials. She's, you know, she's doing a, she's doing a lot of kind of business um, while kind of delivering her, her speech. And, uh, you know, not to praise somebody for, um, you know, talking and, and moving, but, um, you know, at the same time. But, you know, it, the, her performance is is kind of intense um, and, you know, she kind of keeps kind of like gulping for breath and, you know, kind of almost starting to hyperventilate and, you know, kind of get, she she's really kind of, um, you know, com- compared to how we were like two minutes ago when they were very casual and stuff. Um, you know, I think Anna Diarmas is really kind of um, is really kind of bringing it as Marta in this in these few minutes, you know, as she gets more panicked and kind of realizes what's happening. Um, you know, and we'll kind of talk more about that in the next couple of minutes as kind of, you know, the reality of it kind of dawns on her more, you know, she's, you know, I mean, we we end this minute with her kind of like looking up and saying, you know, I'll find it. Um, Again, with it, we've talked about that knife, like the the last bit of the minute, like the knife is cutting down her head, <laughs> like with the camera angle that we have. Yeah. She's, uh, she's dumped out the bag at that point and is scrambling on the floor and she pops her head up and the knife is uh, directly uh, in front of her. Um, uh, again it's there's, there's so much excellent framing that happens in this space like uh the, the this week that we're we're talking about it's largely just you know two people sitting in an office and chatting together yet it re- retains um uh, so much interest i think some of it is what you've already identified as like each minute actually has a very different flavor emotional flavor uh to it uh, and there's so much that's visually intriguing and fascinating in the way that this office has been built uh and, and there's always something for your eye to be catching on uh in the background but they also without making it uh too big of a deal like the camera's always doing some work as well to to keep uh interest and to convey things as we've said uh like whether it's um the slow zoom in with a little bit of shakiness on Anna Darmas as her as her uh, panic is increasing uh or or you know just exploring different angles uh to give us uh to give us it, it makes um what could have been a kind of you know dry week in in a room <laughs> uh, you know a, a really good example of of a uh, filmmaker ratcheting up tension without um you know uh, have, having to you know have a whole lot going on around the the two actors that are sitting together in a room yeah um so i mean he hasn't been in our minute uh but obviously he is the detective of the film uh so let's talk a little bit it's been announced knife out too it's it's happening um you know there was even some joking when uh bernie uh, sanders at the inauguration had like a folder in his hand and uh and, and <laughs> you know the, uh, Ryan Johnson tweeted out, you know, that it was it was the script to nice out too, and he's waiting for his feedback on some uh, on some notes. Um, you know, so I mean, what are your thoughts uh, about what we should be expecting from Nice Out Two? I think uh, you know, other hosts have kind of suggested various different things. Um, some of which I would agree with, and some of which I would violently disagree with. Um, but I think I think obviously the next film, it, you know, it's got to be Benoit Blanc. Uh, he's got to be investigating something. Um, uh, but I think I, I'm with you so far. Yes, I, I think I think the main kind of bone of contention I think people are having is how you would bring back Anna Diarmas because I think obviously you know people feel that she is um, you know one of the kind of the more successful elements of the film. You you might even say that this was a star making role. 
Um, you know, it was certainly uh, star making enough that she unfortunately ended up with Ben Affleck for a period of time. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I personally, I think uh, now that we've kind of had the reveal of Benoit Blanc, I think it's obviously a little, you know, the part of this film relies on the idea that we don't know who he is for, for part, you know, for like the first 15 minutes, he's just sitting in a room and you see like his leg or, you know, you hear him hit the piano or whatever, you know, so there's a, there's kind of a feeling that we don't really know why he's there or what he's doing. Um, and I think having seen the film, not to give too much of a spoiler, but, um, you know, he seems like he's a competent detective, but he's not like, you know, a great detective. Um, although obviously, you know, there are, there are kind of when Joni and Linda kind of have both, one of them has read a tweet about the article and the other one's read the article about him. So obviously he's, he's seen as like a celebrity. Um, so I think it would be interesting to have Benoit Blanc, you know, um, I would say kind of doing the same, not the same thing, but obviously he's investigating the death of a rich person in this in this film. That is the kind of premise. Um, so I think it'd be interesting to see Benoit Blanc um, as, as possible, you know, a kind of a Columbo type figure where he's in, you know, parts of society where he isn't normally expected and so people don't know how to act around him so you know which is there's a little bit of that in this you know a bit of kind of um, class commentary about how this extremely wealthy family are all kind of very selfish and stuff and Benoit Blanc kind yeah, of no, uh, there's a lot of criticism of all ends of the political spectrum <laughs> like you're all hypocrites yeah and and I think I think I think Benoit Blanc kind of coming in and, and kind of uh, bursting that bubble a little bit I think is one of the successes of the film is like um, you know, mm-hmm. I we I mean maybe I get a tiny bit more backstory about you know um, you know how he how he became an investigator you know that kind of thing. Obviously, he's not like a you know he's not a police officer. He's like a private investigator. So I think that gives you know a lot of potential for for where the next story could go and um, you know what it could be about. Um, so you know I, I I'm not I'm not one to kind of suggest um, like actual settings or anything like that. Um, unless you know I do that and then Ryan Johnson makes a film based on that and then I get money but um, you know but I, I think I think just the idea of him um, kind of coming in and stirring things up I think is is a good you know so if if we were introduced to a very specific it doesn't have to be a family but you know an area of society where there is a kind of structure um, and then Benoit Blanc comes in and kind of you know messes about with that um, and in terms of like bringing back Marta now she is obviously extremely wealthy and she has like, you know, the house and stuff. Uh, I think it'd be interesting if she's not his sidekick, which I think some people have suggested. Um, but if she is just his kind of benefactor, like, you know, someone, uh, you know, she sees somebody who's maybe in a, a similar circumstance to her her in this film where, you know, maybe the, there's a, like an issue in terms of, uh, of you know, she's being accused of something and, and, you know, it would basically kind of ruin their life. And maybe, you know, they kind of contact her in some way and ask for some help and she kind of puts them in touch with Benoit Blanc and then he comes in and and kind of helps that person out I think that might be a, a nice way to kind of keep her involved uh, but not make the film where she's like you know his sidekick running around <laughs> kind of you know the Watson yeah. to her to his homes I don't think I don't think that would be a suitable dynamic but I think maybe having her as like a benefactor you know like it'd be interesting to kind of if they do more films than just Knives Out 2 um, you know, be interesting to see, it, you know, kind of her develop and how she kind of uses, you know, her newfound wealth. Um, and I would hope that, you know, she would maybe still be a nurse or whatever, you know, just kind of catch up with her a little bit in the next film. Um, 
you know, I think I think that. Or they could go the route of, you know, Weekend at Bernie's 2 uh, and go to a tropical island and have a body that kind of resurrects itself every time it hears Calypso music. I mean... Uh, that, that's an option. Yeah. Um, I don't imagine they're strongly considering that. <laughs> it's there. Uh, if they do the Weekend at Bernie's 2, people will sue them. So, you know. Um, I was going to suggest, I, I would imagine that Anadonis is not going to be in the sequel uh, and that it'll just be Benoit Blanc with a new set of characters entirely. Uh, and then as you kind of hinted, like if they do future installments in this series, which definitely seems to be like Ryan Johnson from how much he seems to adore uh, working with um, Daniel Craig as Benoit Blanc, I would imagine he's envisioning being able to come back to this every few years and, and dropping a new chapter of a Benoit Blanc story in a future one. Maybe they encounter each other. Um, it, what makes this successful is, is what you identified of, um, you know, Benoit Blanc being dropped into a group of people. And we really get to know that group of people, not Benoit Blanc. And I I think there's often the urge for sequels to like, uh, okay, let's reveal the backstory. I don't want Benoit Blanc's backstory. I, I want him to just keep being this kind of force that ruins the bad people's lives uh, and blesses good people's lives uh, as he like rolls through for for us as an audience, you know, in two hours time, he's going to roll through and, uh, and, and uh, just, tilts things that had been going one direction uh completely in the other direction uh and uh and it'll be very satisfying for the audience to see the bad things happen to the bad people uh and uh i i would imagine there's going to be pressure to include uh Ana de Armas because this film was so successful for the studio and uh they're not going to want to mix up the formula you know and, and so what elements can they bring back well uh, you know she's she's not in any trouble <laughs> she's in a new position her character so uh certainly she could come back and i won't be shocked if she does but my guess is it would just be a a new chapter in a benoit blanc story i mean i would say as well when it comes to like a uh, backstory i'm not saying that like a future sequel should be like you know the young benoit blanc and we find out mm-hmm. but yeah. i'm just saying i feel like uh you know maybe uh, I don't know, maybe include something where he kind of, you know, talks to a family member or we find out he's got a brother or something. You know, just small details to kind of build on uh, on who he is. Because I feel like, you know, Daniel Craig seems to have an idea in his head of who the character of Benoit Blanc is, uh, the way he's playing him. You know, obviously he's picked a very specific accent. Um, So it, it feels like, you know, maybe we want to just get a tiny bit of shading as to, you know, the same with Columbo. You know, did we ever know anything about Columbo other than the fact that he had a dog and a, a VW Beetle and, and he had a wife at home? Like, you know, we just I just want like a few extra little details, not just, mm-hmm. you know, Banwell Blanc kind of appears and that's it. You know, I, I think maybe yeah. just a tiny bit of I mean, uh, the opening to the Kenneth Branagh uh, murder on the Orient Express kind of started with. Uh, Poirot solving one murder very quickly and then you know moving on to the kind of the main murder um, and I think it'd be interesting to do that, do that with like a Knives Out too. is just have like the tail end of Benoit Blanc solving one thing and then being called you know to the next mystery that will kind of make out the, the kind of the bulk of the film um, I think that'd be a nice little kind of thing and that would give us a sense of of how he operates you know what yeah. what his his daily life is actually a little bit like as you know maybe seemed like trying to decompress but then immediately getting pulled into into something else i think that'd be a nice idea but you know if of course mm-hmm. ryan johnson uses any of these even vaguely i will certainly sue him and uh, and try and get as much money as i possibly can because um i understand that's how that's how things work in hollywood 
you yes, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very successful efforts are made on that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, let's go to plugs, uh, as I feel like we have covered this minute as much as we possibly can. And, you know, I'm eager, certainly, to to get to the next the next kind of couple of minutes. Um, so is there anything that you wish to plug, Joe? Uh, I'll just plug my social media. You can follow me at Jay Dorowski on Twitter, and there I'll plug any of my book projects or podcast projects that I do. And you can find us on Twitter at Nizant Minute. Uh, it's always good when you get the, the proper handle. Um, so I was happy to get that. And of course, if you are listening, please rate and review wherever you're listening uh, and subscribe uh, on the podcatcher of your choice. Uh, thanks for joining me today, Joe. Thank you. And we will talk again. Bye.